we also want to have a sense of purpose. We want to have enough social connections. And here's one that we don't think about a lot. We need to have a positive attitude about aging. All of that is about aging well so that we have the best quality of life we can have forever. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Today, I am with Dr. Amy. She's an internationally respected expert on life transitions and relational insights. She holds a PhD in social work, and she has consulted with the financial industry and trained advisors for over a decade. I have known Dr. Amy for a long time. If you're somebody who listens to the podcast on a regular basis, you know that she is a repeated guest. She is here today to talk specifically about breaking money silence on aging well. So welcome, Dr. Amy, to the podcast today. Thank you very much, Kathleen. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Yes, I'm excited to continue our conversation. It keeps continuing, continuing, uh, which yes. is really exciting. So thank you for being my guest today and talking about, I think, this really important topic, which is aging well. I know often we talk about aging in the context of kind of all the downsides of aging. But today we're going to talk about the work that you do with advisors and consumers around aging well. So before we kind of take a deep dive, tell me a little bit about how you define aging well. Well, you know, I, I think, Kathleen, about that we all want high quality of life forever. And so when we think about what does that mean, it's, it, it's not just about having enough money, but we know that that's very, very important. It's also about all the other things, you know, and a lot of us go immediately to diet and exercise that we want to be physically healthy, of course, but we also want to have a sense of purpose. We want to have enough social connections. And here's one that we don't think about a lot. We need to have a positive attitude about aging. All of that is about aging well so that we have the best quality of life we can have forever. Well, you know what is interesting to me is I grew up in a family, and we've talked about this, right? We celebrated the 100th podcast together, but I grew up in a family where on both sides of the family, we had people who lived to 100 and beyond. So a lot of what I hear around aging and some of the negativity that I hear around aging doesn't really resonate with, with me. Um, although as I age, <laughs> I can certainly appreciate how your body isn't necessarily the same as when it was in uh, the 20s. So when we think about aging well, you know, tell me a little bit about how 
that might tie into kind of our social connections or you know how we viewed our family growing up and how they aged. What do you think about kind of those influences? I, I love that. And I, when you say this, I always think, you know, it is really the life in the years we have, right? It's not just living a long time. It's it's that idea of living with zest. And so when we talk about social connection, I love talking about this because there's such great research on this. You know, we call it social support and we tend to talk about it in two ways, emotional and practical social support. And we know that if people have good social support as they age, they live longer, they live healthier, they're both mentally and physically. They heal quicker from illnesses. They're less likely to end up living in nursing homes. And we know that it now, we now know this is kind of the latest research. It has a protective factor against Alzheimer's disease. So it's pretty important, right? When we talk about having great connections and when we talk about it from emotional social support, it's the people we turn to for love and nurturing and connection. And when we talk about it from practical social support, it's really this people who help us get through the day-to-day of life and this changes as we age. But, you know, all of us need people sometimes to take us to go get our car fixed or to shovel our sidewalk at some point or do something like that. And as we age, we may need a little bit more help. So making sure we have enough social connectivity is one of the key parts of aging well. Now, when I, when I think of this, I think about women tend to live longer than men. I know that that gap is, is shortening a bit. Um, and I remember hearing an NPR story about the fact that men often struggle with the lack of social connection as they age. In your experience or in the research that you've reviewed, do you have any sense of whether there is a strong gender difference in terms of the social connection and, and how it helps us when we age? Absolutely. there It does make a difference. This is one of those areas women do better than men. And for the exact reason that you said, we know that if, if two people, let's say it's a husband and a wife, so heterosexual couple, men tend to concentrate their social support into their wives, meaning they turn to their wife for connection, right? Women tend to have broader social connection, friends, adult children, and their spouse. So this is why when you, when you look at a lot of the issues that as people age, so for example, widowhood, women tend to do better you know, than men in that case because they have already have more social connection. So men often are left without social connection when their wife passes. If you look at the issue of retirement, a lot of times men's social connection has been tied more to their job too. And so they may lose it there. And so all the issues that we see as people age, like widowhood, divorce, you know, retirement, where there's a social connection piece, men often are left short if they haven't made sure they have enough social support. So, you know, I say to people all the time, KBK, we should all list out the people we would turn to for emotional social support and for practical. And if you only have two or three people on those lists, you need to grow your social support And the truth is we all need to grow our social support forever because people move, relationships change, and people die as we age. And so we need to always be growing it. So we make sure we have enough of that social connection. That's really part of the richness of our lives as we get older. Well, to get back to the thing you said about men and identifying with their jobs or their social connection is that with their um, employers or the people who work uh, in a company with them, 
It's interesting because I also see that transition that so many of us make, no matter how you identify in terms of gender, from you know a full-time profession to switching to some form of retirement. A lot of people still work in retirement. Some people don't. It can look a variety of different ways, but it really gets to the idea of in addition to having a social connection, I also get a sense that you need to have some sort of sense of purpose. Like what, why am I yes. waking up every day and doing what I'm doing? So is that part of aging well? Oh, it's a huge part of aging well. You know, it, the, the term for it in Japan is ikigai. The idea of having that sense of purpose. I mean, it's a reason to get out of bed, right? We really need that. And so many of us don't, evaluate where we get that from. We just kind of accept it. And then what happens when we retire, many of us, especially, you know, professionals who've been, who have enjoyed at least part of their work, they realize, oh, you know, I, I, I say also people lose their audience when they retire, you know, like, oh, now. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm laughing as a speaker and as somebody who usually likes to put on a show, I don't want to lose my audience. (laughs) I know this one cuts a little too close to home for me too, by the way. <laughs> so this idea of, you know, where do we get our sense that what we're doing is making a difference in the world? And I don't mean we have to be out, you know, saving the world, but just that we have a sense of purpose and meaning in our lives. And, you know, we can't, I, I have a colleague who says the reason we love vacations is they're sandwiched between things that give our life purpose and you, it's very hard, very few people can just do a 30-year vacation where they're just out playing for 30 years. I don't think we're really, most of us are set up that way in our psyche. You know, we're, we're thinking about what are we contributing in some way, even if it's not that conscious. And so this is an area where I see a lot of people struggle in retirement if they haven't thought about it. And it's, it's never too late to think about it. If someone's retired and they're struggling, it doesn't mean that they're out of luck. You can create a sense of purpose at any point, but having that is a key element to aging well. And I really think if you can do that as you're transitioning to this next phase of life, that you're retiring and really thinking very consciously and reflecting about what's going to be important to me going forward, a lot of times that work, um, it may be something that I coach around, it may be something you coach around, can really be helpful. Even if you don't have it completely nailed down, at least you have some activities to try and, and to get a sense of what's going to feel good to me. And so again, when I think about the people I know who have aged well, uh, they've had this clear sense of purpose. For some of them, it right. is to learn and to get educated. For others, it's to be with family. For even others, it might be doing a lot of philanthropic work. It can really, really vary. Um, But it's very interesting when you think about how that's so helpful in structuring your day and making connections and really staying vibrant as you age. Kathleen, one of the things I suggest to people is if you're you're still working, uh, you know, have an honest, thoughtful conversation with yourself about what parts of your work give you that sense of purpose. You know, very few of us say, I just love doing paperwork, right? <laughs> but what, what, there's usually parts of our work we love. That doesn't mean you have to keep doing that, but what is it about that? Because that'll give you clues to ways that you can expand your sense of purpose. And then of course, look outside of your job even now and say, where are other areas where I get a sense of purpose? You, you actually, it's funny, you named a couple of mine because 
I try to do the things that I teach. And so I always say for me, what gets me out of bed in the morning is lifelong learning, a sense of connection and a sense of contribution. I, I do need to feel like I'm making a difference in the world. That's important to me. So if you took those three things out of my life, it would real. I, I mean, you know, my life would not feel purposeful. The mix of it shifts time to time and what it looks like. But I think we can all look and say, you know, what is it that gives me that sense of purpose? Yeah, that's a great question to ponder. Uh, also, uh, not that long ago, I did a podcast with Michael Kay, who's doing a lot of work around uh, high-powered professional men who are transitioning from retirement to this next phase of life. So I will make sure that that podcast is in the show notes because I think it might be useful uh, for anyone who kind of wants to go a little bit further down that path. Uh, but for right you know, now- I love that you're giving that. And I just want to say, you know, that the problem about not having that sense of purpose is we know that often anxiety and depression rates go up in retirement and people drink more. And that is often because they're of boredom and you know, not having enough that really makes our life worth living. It's different to live, most people can stay busy. You know, If you ask people in retirement, often they'll say, I don't know how I ever worked, I'm so busy. That's different from having fulfilling activities. Busy is different. That's such a great distinction. I actually just wrote a post that's going out shortly around being versus doing and how mm. busyness can be you know, overrated. So certainly these are concepts that, you know, both you and I think a lot about work with our clients to think about. And we, I encourage our listeners to think about it as well. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break. Uh, and then when we get back, we are going to kind of talk about how money and breaking money silence might fit with aging well. So I am here today with Dr. Amy. She is from Life Transitions by Dr. Amy, and we'll be back in a minute. Hey, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am starting a new masterclass, Negotiate Your Fees with Confidence. It is starting this fall, and I want you to think about joining me. Uh, it's a group of eight wonderful women that will get together to discuss how they can ask and get paid what they're worth. So if you're somebody who works hard, accomplishes a lot, but still struggles to ask for a raise or to charge your clients what you know you deserve, this course is for you. We'll talk about pricing. We'll talk about negotiation strategy. We'll look into your negotiation mindset and I'll help you make peace with money. The best part about this class is that you are part of a community of powerful women looking to support each other. Trust me, I've done this course several times and people walk away feeling more at ease talking about money and having the tools that they need to negotiate to price their services, to ask for what they're worth, and to no longer live in fear when they need to negotiate their fee. Check it out at breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass. I'll also put the link in the show notes. So ping me if you're interested or sign up today. I am here with Dr. Amy, and we are talking about breaking money silence on aging well. We just talked a lot about what aging well meant, uh, having a sense of purpose, having social connections, and all those things that kind of help 
make us have a meaningful life as the decades and the years go by. But now let's switch our focus to money, seeing as the podcast is called Breaking Money Silence. So when it comes to aging, what are the financial conversations we should be having? And what are the resources out there that can help us engage in these conversations? I'm a big believer in what I call essential conversations, talking to the most important people about the most important things in our lives. And obviously money is that. And money and aging are important conversations because there's a number of them, you know, and you may be having these with your spouse or partner. Obviously, if you're, you know, if you are partnered or married, you want to be having them. You may also need to have them with your adult kids. You know, you may need to have them with friends because if you start looking, Kathleen, at some of the issues around aging and money, we think about things, not just about the fun part, you know, and traveling, which may be conversations you need to have with people you're going to do that with. And what does that look like? But also about possible care needs in different stages. You know, uh, many people don't think about uh, the costs of care and making sure that they have what they want. And certainly part of aging well, I, you know, I always say choice, control, independence. Well, part of choice and control is thinking about money and talking about money to make sure you can have what you want. So important conversations to be had around that. And as far as resources for doing that, you know, I, I think one of the best things you can do is to, to, before you engage in a conversation with, let's say your spouse or partner about money, is to really focus in on what is it you want to accomplish from this conversation and why the conversation is important to you. If we start a conversation by explaining it's why it's important to us, we're more apt to engage people in it. If we keep the conversation focused, I always say a, a, a short, well-done conversation leads to more conversations. A big conversation that is disruptive doesn't help anybody. And not only does that one not go well, but people don't want to re-engage. So again, it takes a little planning. You want to, what do you want to think about, talk about, and then maybe you'll need to take action on some things either individually or together after you have this conversation. So you want to find out where each other is on this topic. You know, what, what is really good quality of life in, in different chapters of retirement, I like to think about the early, the mid, and the late. What does that look like? Are you financially prepared? And of course, this is where working with a financial advisor and having a good plan can help people to make sure that they have that quality of life they want as they get older. Yes, I do think financial planners can be really useful. And I know that you do a lot of training around that issue. And we'll have you talk a little bit about the programs that you offer a little bit later. I also think that having these conversations, it can be useful to work with either a communications coach, someone like me who coaches, or uh, other people kind of choose to do this with either a spiritual leader or a marital counselor. So there's a variety of places you can go to talk and have these conversations about Um, I I should also include estate planning professionals to have these conversations about different parts. But what I love about what you just said is to really take some time to reflect and think about the purpose of the conversation, why it's important, and do that preparation uh, and have a short conversation 
if possible, is better than having a long drawn out conversation. The other thing that I've noticed in my work and certainly in my personal life as my parents have aged and my in-laws have aged is that often these conversations come up at a time of crisis, which isn't ideal, but any recommendations for how to handle it if it does come up in the context of a medical emergency? Well, I think again, this is where a professional can be really helpful. You know, I like to think about who can help moderate a conversation like that. You know, sometimes it's a, you know, we hear the word mediator and sometimes that really throws people off because they think high conflict, but there are a lot of mediators who work on the prevention side of things too. So that's why I use the term moderate. And I love your idea about working with a coach or, you know, some sort of a communications person that can help moderate these conversations, especially in times of high crisis, because what happens in crisis, and you know this, Kathleen, as well as I do, that all of our fears are driving a lot of what's happening. And we're not our best when our fears are driving the car, right? Well, and you get so flooded with emotion that sometimes you say something you didn't want to say, or or you wanted to say it, but you haven't had that that pause to be able to say it in a way that the other person can hear it. So yes, it's not ideal, but I do think uh, working with somebody- We may have to still do it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and often if you get through that initial crisis, what I've also seen in the work that I do is that then you're laying some groundwork. I mean, even if you don't do perfectly, do it perfectly in a crisis, it's going back and saying, hey, you know, we got through that. Let's try to do it a little bit differently and let's try to proactively have these conversations so we're not having them when we're worried about, you know, mom's surgery or dad just fell down the stairs or whatever the case may be. And I think when you say that, what I think is, okay, all you people listening who are not in crisis, go have proactive conversations. (laughs) Which is so (laughs) easy. Right? This is the time. Yeah. Yeah. This is the time to do it is when things are going well. And it is easy to put off. This is that important, you know, versus urgent. It's not urgent, but it's really important. And it can make the difference when you're in crisis about how smoothly it goes. So I agree with you. We often deal with things in crisis and hopefully that becomes our teacher to then have more deep conversations before another crisis. Sure. I know I learn from every money conversation I have, good, bad, or indifferent to be able to kind of move forward and and do it a little bit better. What I would like to do now is talk specifically about what our listeners can do now, in addition to having these conversations, uh, to make sure they age well. Are there certain action steps that they can take or certain things that they need to consider in order to almost make a plan for aging well? I love that. And, you know, we, we've started in, in my business talking about aging well in terms of five wells. And, you know, if you, if you think about what a well does, it provides a reliable, ample supply of water when it's a good well. So when we talk about aging well, we want to talk about, you know, eating well and moving well are two that we hear about the most. And of course, there's lots written about that. But you said before, connecting well, the personal well-being, which includes that sense of purpose and our mindset about aging, and then financial well-being. So if you just write down those five and then ask yourself, which is the one that you maybe need to focus on first? Maybe you're doing great on, you know, you're exercising plenty. I know people like you, KBK, you're exercising <laughs> all the time. You're out having fun. You don't have to worry about that well. But, but you know, maybe there's another well that you'd say, yeah, that's the one that maybe I need to give some focus to. 
And so let's say it's connecting well, since we talked about that a little bit earlier, maybe it's looking at how do you increase your social connection? Is it by getting involved in an organization that has meaning for you? Because, you know, it's not just about going to volunteer somewhere, because a lot of times we volunteer somewhere and maybe we're not even meeting people or it's not really the right fit. But is there a community organization? Is there a volunteer opportunity? Is there a way to deepen the current relationships you already have that maybe haven't given as much time to? You know, a lot of us have friends that we've lost touch with over the years because of life circumstances. That's sometimes a great place to go back and connect well. So very practical things we can do for each of these. Of course, on the financial it may be working with an advisor to have a financial plan. It may be having the conversations with the people that you love. And in a sense of purpose, we've already talked about some of that. So there are, we can break this down to very specific activities that people can do. I love that. You do such a great job of always making it so concrete and understandable. And so um, I'm going to put those five different areas again in the show notes so people remember what they are and then can do that self-assessment of, where am I at in each of these categories? Where do I want to be? And how do I fill the gaps? So great. I have a good sense of what aging well looks like. I am happy to report so far so good, but I'm going to also evaluate my gaps, uh, maybe have more conversations with my partner about what his thoughts are about aging well and uh, take some action after today's show. I know some folks that are listening are going to want to be able to reach out and learn more about your firm and what you're up to. So tell us a little bit more about how they can go about doing that. Thanks. Well, we, we work with professionals, with financial advisors to help them have deeper relationships with their clients. And they can see the work that we're doing at dramy.life instead of .com. And uh, you'll see that we have a, a number of ways that we do work with advisors to help them deepen these relationships. And I love the work I do because I get to both through speaking events and some work with clients deal with directly with them. But I love also supporting the advisors because they have a huge impact in their clients' lives. And as you know, KBK, we're all out there trying to do good work for the people that we serve. And I know that advisors are doing that. And this is, I hope I'm a support to them in having better relationships with their clients. Yes. Well, definitely check out Dr. Amy. We uh, work closely together. So I love what you are up to, obviously. I always enjoy having you on as a guest. Uh, thank you for sponsoring this series on Aging Well. And I look forward to hearing feedback from our audience on what action steps they're going to take after listening to the podcast. So thank you so much for breaking money silence with me. Thanks, KBK. Always a pleasure. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app 
and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com. Thank you.